will encourage you, it will stir you up, and just cause you to just take another step closer to God as a result of what we're purposing to bring and share with you. So praise God. Uh, this morning, uh, I have a message for you that just really seems to be burning into my heart over the last few weeks. And uh, uh, it kind of coincides with this holiday. Obviously, this holiday is Labor Day weekend. And really, Labor Day is is a recognized holiday for the sake of those men and women that have labored in life to create this country that we have that has caused us to be successful, caused us to be financially stable, and just created the ability for all of us to have equality in so many different areas. But that being said, have you ever heard of the statement called a labor of love? Have you ever heard that before? You know, uh, somebody might look at what you do, and when they look at what you do, they say, man, I could never do that. Or like, dear God, how do you do what you do? And you say, it's just a labor of love. So in other words, what it means is it might be difficult. It might be very detailed. It might, might, might not be something that somebody else would preferably do, but you look at it and say, I do it because it's a labor of love. I just enjoy it. Have you ever been there? Do all of us relate to something of that nature where it's a labor of love? I mean, for some of you moms, I look at you and how you interact with your kids and your grandkids, and you would say, it's just a labor of love. If you would talk to my wife, she'd say, it's a labor of love, baby. Let me tell you. It's a <laughs> and I think every single one of us, like I said, can find one of those things that we say, I do it because I love it. But on the other hand, have you ever had one of those things that they were, a, it was a labor of love, but then it became a labor to love? Do you know what I mean by that? I mean, you used to enjoy doing it, but now all of a sudden something has changed. You know, I was an avid golfer. I loved playing golf. I mean, it was something that I dreamt about. It was something that I planned for, prepared for, saved for. I mean, I just loved playing golf. But over the last two years, I haven't played much golf at all. And the reason being is just because it seemed that life got real busy and things became a distraction. And then I also ended up hurting myself. And so the thing that I used to love the thing that made me giddy, and I would think about just particular holes on a golf course and how I was going to play the hole, or the thing that I would get up early for to go meet some other pastors to go golfing, has now become something that I have to labor to love because something's changed on the inside. Because of the labor that it seems to golf like I used to. In fact, I would go out to the driving range and I would practice. You know, those of you that are in baseball can probably relate to this, to the different techniques and what you got to do to prepare. But I'd watch the golfers on the PGA and, and they, would, they would shape their shots, you know. In fact, I remember the first time I ever saw a pro where they turned the ball and brought it into the green. I'm like, whoa, you can move the ball in the air rather than just like that? Or, you know, do it on command rather than it just being like this big banana ball? And so I started to learn how to shape my shots to where if I wanted to turn to the left or turn to the right it was something that I just gave myself to but because I hurt myself 
I started to look at that thing that I love to do through the hurt or the pain, and therefore it was no longer something that I saw as an enjoyment because all I saw was how my body was going to hurt as a result of playing the game that I used to love. Does that make sense? And so all of us have experienced those kind of things where we've liked or loved to do something and the thing that was a labor of love has now become a labor to love. And as we get older, I find it interesting how as the years pass by, to love actually becomes a labor, right? The Bible tells us that we're to walk in love, to love our enemies, to love those who use us and despitefully use us and persecute us. And the older we get, the more difficult it becomes. It becomes a greater labor to love, right? I mean, how many of you just love driving through the traffic? I mean, it just brings great joy to you, right? You know, just this, uh, it was about a week and a half ago, I, I went up north with my family and I was driving and, and I decided to pass some cars. And when I started to pass the cars, the cars that was way off in the distance that I did not see because their running lights weren't on started to get closer and closer at a very rapid pace of speed. And so I had to cut back into the traffic and I kind of jumped in front of this woman. Well, I've got GVC all over my truck. And so instantaneously... I started getting emails and started getting Facebook posts. And, I mean, everybody started chiming in about how reckless I was. And, and then uh, Jordan, he sends me a text message. He says, hey, he says, you better slow down, bro. He says, they're just they're blowing up Facebook, man, just talking about how bad you are. I mean, I had people getting on there that I didn't even know from different states saying, hey, get out of God's country. Go back to Flint. I mean, I think, Wow. <laughs> And I'm thinking it was a sincere accident or misjudgment on my part. But do you know, in that moment, I'm thinking, how do I respond? I want to respond, but do I respond? And if I respond, how should I respond? And I'm telling you, everything, I haven't responded yet because I still haven't got to the place of getting past how I want to respond. <laughs> do you know what I mean? What what I'm saying is this, right then and there, I have an opportunity to walk into love. And I have every opportunity to justify myself. But what is right? If all I try to do is justify myself, it just all really becomes about me, doesn't it? Versus representing this church, representing a pastor, because she don't know it was the pastor. She probably thinks it was probably that bearded guy that I saw somewhere. The maintenance guy or something drives that truck, and there <laughs> it's got to be him. But once again, we've got to choose to walk in love. But the older that we get, the more difficult that it becomes. And I see this in the life of my kids. I mean, they were, uh, my, my son is six My middle child, my daughter, she is 10, and my oldest daughter is getting ready to turn 12. And with every passing year in their life, I see them having a greater opportunity to respond to, or I should say it this way, that loving their siblings becomes a greater labor. Right? 
I said, every passing year, it becomes a greater labor to love their sibling. Now look at what it says here in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. Or chapter 13, verses 4 through 7. The New Living Translation says this. It says, love is patient. It's kind. Love is not jealous. It's not boastful or proud. It's not rude. It does not demand its own ways. It is not irritable. It keeps no record of being wrong. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices when the truth wins out. Love never gives up. Love never loses faith. It always is hopeful and endures through every circumstance. Now listen to those things that we just said. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not rude. Love does not demand its own way. Love is not irritable. And every passing year of my children's life, they become more irritable. They become more demanding of their own ways. They become more rude. You know what I'm talking about. I'm starting to have those conversations with my kids now. My older one's like, um, you can change that look on your face anytime you want to. You know what I mean? They're not saying any words, but their face is saying it all. And with every passing year, they get more rude with their face. Rolling of the eyes, you know. The, I told my daughter the other day, I said, if you, could make, if you don't stop making that duck face, I said, your face might stay that way. What I mean by that is say that pucker mountain. <laughs> right? Every Passing year, as time goes on, it becomes a greater challenge or a greater labor to love. Anybody know what I'm talking about? With a husband and wife, it becomes a greater challenge. Challenges you have with your your children, your siblings, your parents, your church family. If we don't purpose to develop a labor of love, love will become a labor. And I use my children as an example because when they are young, they are so innocent. Think back to your own children. I mean, there was that time where they just loved you. I mean, you could tell them that, that, that you was going to give them the moon and they would believe you, right? And if you said, baby, not right now, but we'll, we'll, we'll do it. They would believe you and they would have patience. They would be kind. They, w- they wouldn't be irritable. They may not have a concept of time, but again, they would be more enduring, endearing to you as a parent, right? But as time goes on, something changes. Statistics say this, that a child smiles 400 times a day. The average adult, 20. I mean, what happens What happens to us as we get older that all of a sudden, when we were little, man, we smiled all the time. You know, you tell your kids, say, you know, you look like a goofball. They They laugh at you, right? But then you see them as a teenager, say, hey, goofball, don't call me that, Dad. Right? Something changes. Society, culture, the enemy is warring against us from living a life that is a labor of love to having a life in an existence where it becomes a labor to love. Why is that? Because as we get older, our heart and our conscience get seared. What does that mean? Do I have any coffee drinkers? Starbucks? You, just, you like your coffee? Come on, I, I love coffee. 
I drink coffee all the time. I probably drink a pot of coffee a day. I mean, I, I've got a problem. I do. I got a, I'm in a, <laughs> I've joined the Starbucks AA type uh, meetings, you know. I, I, I'm Tony. I've got uh, coffee addiction, you know. I like coffee, but I drink it so much that the temperature does not bother me like it bothers my wife. I can get a brand new coffee, and I can take a drink of it and be good with it. It takes her a half hour for her to let it cool down before she can even begin to take a sip of it. Why? Because my mouth has been seared or has been damaged or hurt, if you will, to the point that it don't bother me like it did before. Where with her being innocent, with her being not so accustomed to the searing of the lips or the throat or the tongue, it bothers her. And the same thing is applicable to us As adults, as we get older, because of the hurt, because of the things of life, the things that we've experienced, the things that we've went through, we no longer have the ability to love like we did as a younger person. It now becomes a labor of love. Am I talking to anybody in here today? Now, what is partly the reason why that takes place? Because over the years and through life experiences, we begin to protect ourselves. We begin to guard ourselves. We develop that scar tissue, if you will, to where we start to get hardened. And therefore, it's a greater effort to love rather than it was before. We start to protect and guard ourselves from those things that we have had happened over the past. But here's one of the things that we don't understand that we have become so good at protecting and guarding ourselves from the things that hurt us, the pain that once scarred us, or left us with baggage in our life. The moment that I protect myself and guard myself from that emotion of being hurt, by default, I reject the opposite. So in other words, if I purpose to consistently guard myself from being hurt, consistently guard myself from being offended, if I consistently guard myself to the point that I don't let people get close to me, what I'll end up doing is I'll reject the very thing of joy and happiness in my life. Because they go together. If I reject the one, I begin to reject the other. Why? Because in order to yield myself... To be vulnerable, I have to yield myself to love. And to yield myself to love means that I just might get hurt again. Right? And if we're not careful, we will come to a place in our life where we are just numb. Now, listen to me, because there are times that, you know, as a pastor, I have to do personal examination of my own life. And really arrest myself as to where I find myself. But I started, as I started to prepare this, I'm thinking, dear God, you know, there are some areas in my life that I'm just numb. Because of life experiences and things that I've protected and guarded myself from, I just did not allow myself to experience this over here. Because the effort that it takes to resist the hurt over here, it takes more effort to yield myself to the byproduct of love, which is patience, kindness, not being rude, being loving. Come on, are you here? 
I mean, it takes a lot of work to not keep record of the past wrongs done to me, isn't it? I mean, it's so much easier to to put it on the list. Well, you did this, and you did this, and you did this. In fact, just to help me remind myself, I got it in my diary. Here's the day, buddy. This is when you did it to me. Isn't it so much easier to give place in my life to those things that hurt me and keep me in this rut of feeling numb than it is to exert the effort to make a conscious choice to forgive and not remember it? It's tough. And as I said, we can go through life just being numb. My wife has said that to me at different times concerning my kids. She goes, sometimes you're just kind of hard and cold. And if I really examine myself, here's what my rationale is about that. See, moms tend to be the more sensitive and nurturing kind. Me as a dad, it's like, well, I guess you learned something from that, didn't you? (laughs) Bet you'll never do that again. And they're crying. They just want a hug. And I'm like... (laughs) Good life lesson right there, buddy. You know? What, you, you understand what I'm talking about? We can examine everything or examine our lives in the context of what we're talking about, and we can begin to find ourselves, man, there's areas that I have allowed myself to become numb. I was listening to this minister just a few days ago, and it really struck me in terms of being numb to those things that we turn off in our lives. His, name, his last name is Schuler. His grandfather was Robert Schuller. Anybody remember Robert Schuller? Came on Sunday mornings, the Crystal Cathedral. I mean, just a great family. And he was telling this story about where he was with a friend of his, and he said he did something silly or said something, and his friend said to him, and so this must not maybe have been a Christian man, I don't know, but he said the friend said to him, he said, oh, you're just an S-head. You fill in the blank as to what the S meant. And he said, it struck him so funny. He said, I'm cracking up. My friend called me an S-head. He's like, oh, my gosh. It, is, it made him laugh. He goes home, and he, he, he's telling, he starts to tell his wife about the circumstance. And he said, I got to the place where I said, so-and-so called me a... And he said he stopped. And he tried to tell her again. He called me a... And the moment he's tried to say it the second time, he said, I just began to weep. He said, I bawled like a baby. He said, because the moment that I said it out of my mouth, he said, all these emotions started to come up that I had pushed down. Things that people had said about me. Criticisms that people have said about our family. He said, all these emotions that I just ignored come bubbling up, and all of a sudden I started to look at myself in the light of how I have seen myself. And he said, I have criticized myself. He said, I've looked at myself as a failure. And he said, all of a sudden, I'm face to face with how I see me. And he said, it was a labor to love me. And he said, I came to a place where I had to identify and and determine that I am not defined by what people say about me. I'm not defined by what I do. I'm not defined what other people think about me. And I'm not defined by my past mistakes or my past in itself. 
said, that's not me. He said, but what I had to do in order to deny, or I should say, to, to give the effort to give place to that hurt in his life was to deny the very fact of who he was in the eyes of God. I want you to hear that. Because if you're continually walking around seeing yourself in the mirror as the failure, the past letdowns, the things that have gone wrong in your life, the things that have happened, then you have rejected what God has thought about you and said about you. And that is is that you're loved by Him. But so oftentimes it becomes such a labor to love or to be loved by God. I said you're not defined by what people say. You're not a victim. See, here's one of the things that happens. Remember I said, for the sake of not being hurt again, what I'll end up doing is building up a wall to say, I'll never be hurt. Nobody will ever do that to me again. And I reject the love of God to make me free. So what do you do? You say, I'll never be a victim again. But you live a life being victimized by the one that hurts you. And therefore, you don't live a life of victory because you walk around being a victim based upon what happened so long ago. And what do we do? We hurt those that are around us. We push them away. Why? Because in order to love you or love myself, it becomes a greater labor. I'm talking about the labor of love. How do I get past this labor of love and learn how to love? Number one, I've got to labor to meditate on God's love for me. I've got to meditate on God's love for me. How will we become numb just in our feelings and our emotions in this life? It's because I've meditated on the wrong things. Just like I said, I've been victimized by the time that I was a victim and I continue to live that life to the present and therefore I don't find myself being free or able to love. But notice what the Bible says. If I'll meditate on the right things rather than the hurt or the failures or the past... The Bible says this, that if I give time, if I'll make room, if I'll allow God to begin to heal me in my, in my heart, I will find myself that love allows me to become patient and kind. I'm not rude. Have you ever noticed people that are so stinking rude? I mean, anything that comes out of their mouth is just abrasive. They weren't like that as kids. They learned how to become that. Hurt developed that. Can you see beyond the rudeness? Or maybe you're that person. I'm just rude. Well, if you knew what I went through, you'd know why I'm rude. No, it's just a mechanism to keep people away. It's your safety switch. It's your, it's your mechanism to keep people at a distance so therefore I don't get hurt. Can you say amen? amen? Love does not demand on its own, its own way or its own rights. Love is not irritable. Come on. I mean, this hits home for me. 
Because when you're tired, when you're going, when you're pushing yourself, what ends up becoming something that surfaces real quickly? Irritability, right? (laughs) Kids come in at the wrong time. What are you doing here? (laughs) Leave me alone. (laughs) Right? Just irritates you. But love. Now, I have to labor to not be irritable, right? I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about you. Put it in your, (laughs) right? We've got to work on that. It's a labor. I've got to labor or work at not keeping records. Come on. I see that in church all the time. Not this church because we got perfect people. But, you know, people are working together and somebody does something, don't do something. What do they do? Well, you know what? You always do, don't do. You always want to. And then it starts talking and what are you doing? You're keeping record. And then people start like, you know, if, you're, if you ever walk into church and you see people looking at you like this, they've been talking about you. <laughs> then you got to ask the question, well, what did I not do? Did I, did I mess up? No, not around here. Are you tracking with me? So when it comes to love, I've got to choose to be loved by God. God loves me. And I'm forgiven. And therefore, it gives me the ability to forgive others. Number two, we're going to wrap this up real quick. You got your quick listening ears on? All right, dial them in so we can listen a little faster. Number two, as I said, I have to labor to love. When we've guarded ourselves from the hurt, when we've kept ourselves from being hurt from other people, what oftentimes we do is we keep ourselves from being happy. Why? Because all my affection, all my attention, all my efforts are on not being hurt. And if that's what my focus and attention is on, I won't focus on being happy. I won't focus on letting joy have place in my life. Why? Because all my focus and my attention is on the thing that has hurt me. I mentioned to you that when it comes to our, my kids, as they've grown, I've seen it change. Now, put this in perspective to what we're talking about. My kids, their conversation sounds much like this. Get out of my room. Get off me. Give me that back. Leave me alone. Did you hear all those words that were similar in each one? Me. 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 When our focus becomes about me, I'll lose focus on those that need to be loved by me. I'll keep people at a distance. Henry Drummond said this. Let me read this to you just real quickly. This is a little book that I've been reading, and it's called The Greatest Thing in the World, and it talks about love. And he's making reference to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And he says this, he says, But there comes a time when a man may exercise even the higher right of giving up his rights. Yet Paul, the writer of of 1 Corinthians, yet Paul does not summon us to give up our right. Love strikes much deeper. It would have us not seek them at all, ignoring them, eliminating the personal element altogether from our calculations. 
they are often external. When my kids say, leave me alone, get out of my room, that's all external. But the more difficult thing still is not to seek things for ourselves at all. What does that mean? See, when we hold on to the resentment, when we hold on to the past, it's all about keeping it to me. And saying, I've got a right to hold on to this. But when you say, you know what? I refuse to hold on to the right to carry this hurt, this resentment. It no longer becomes such a labor to love. Because the thing that I gave my attention and focus to has now given me the ability to to divert my attention. I'll give you an example. Concerning Jesus, if Jesus lived his earthly life and did his ministry like we live today, everything about Jesus would be like, put me on the throne, serve me, make my name great, give me some money. But everything that Jesus did was all about making other people happy. That was his entire ministry. How do I serve and make people happy? That's my heart, is to serve people to the place where they can come into a relationship with God and say, man, I love living life. Amen? I'll leave with this example. If you think about a prism, anybody know what a prism is? It's a piece of crystal or a glass that has multiple facets on it, right? And when you shine light into it, that prism breaks up the light and it comes out in different directions and it comes out different colors. In fact, it changes it all together. But you know what took place in order for that clear light to come out and have multiple facets of different beautiful colors is when it came into the prism, it had to bend to the prism And when it came out, it came out looking different. So in our lives, God loves you and He wants you to be a conduit of His love. People would be attracted to you if you were a love magnet. Well, you don't know what I've dealt with. You don't know how angry and bitter and just how irritated I am in life but see when you come up against love you've got a choice to make do I hold fast to my hurt my pain my past or do I bend to what love is and do I choose to allow it to become a filter and when it comes out on the other side it looks like patience When it comes out the other side, it looks like kindness. When it comes out the other side, it's not keeping record, but it's believing the best, hoping the best. And it says that love never fails. Come on, on this side, you constantly look in the mirror and say, I'm a failure, I've messed up, this is my past. I've messed up and it will never change. But when we bend to the power of God's love, You can't keep record anymore. The only record that you'll keep and make notice of is what He's done in you. And that is is that you are forgiven. You are made whole. And the Bible says that love never fails. 
I'm not looking at failures in this room. I'm looking at champions. I'm not looking at victims in this room. I'm looking at victors. I'm not diminishing the thing that you went through or the experiences that you had. But one of the things that I do know is that love is greater. And if we'll choose to give place to love, it will no longer be such a labor. But we'll experience the freedoms and the joy that God came to give. I want to be a lover, not a fighter. How about you? So many times we want to be right fighters. You can be right all day long and at the end of the day, be sincerely wrong. Come on, let's labor to love. But let's let it become our labor of love. Amen. Let's worship God one last time before we go. And as we do, I just want you to allow God's love to just touch your heart. If maybe as I've been talking, you say, man, there's been some hurts in my life. There's been some things that have affected me. Just let God's love right now wash it away. Mend it. Heal it. Restore it. Amen. Come on, let's worship God. subscribe to this podcast and take a look at all of our social media sites which can be found at our website gvchurch.tv we know that today's message has been a blessing to you thanks for listening we are genesee valley church loving god loving people and loving life